listening to the Adam and Kyle podcast, where we hope to ignite inspiration through seeking the extraordinary in the ordinary. We will bring you episodes where we will let you in on our decades-long journey as friends and have conversations with guests about their passions, learning through lived experiences, and what challenges and excites them. Also, listen for bonus episodes that revolve around our shared love for music as we take a deep dive into our favorite bands, albums, and what we're spinning. Thanks for hanging out with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Adam and Kyle podcast. We are your hosts, Adam and Kyle. Thank you for hanging out with us today. And on today's episode, we are welcoming our friend Amanda Lambie onto the show. She, just like us, is a born and raised Calgarian, a 29-year-old mother to a one-and-a-half-year-old boy, and she is a mental health advocate and the host of the Until Next Time with Amanda podcast, where she decided to share her own personal experiences in hopes of allowing others to not feel alone. We're very excited to have her on the show today, so please welcome Amanda Lambie. Hello. 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 Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. What's yeah, uh, what's going on? Us. Not much. Just back to work again. How are you? What yeah. are you doing for work? Back at the restaurant at the golf course managing. So hopefully the last time I'll be laid off <laughs> in this year, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, actually, right before this podcast, a friend of mine just texted me that she was fired, but she wanted to be fired with a package because they were asking her to move to Calgary from Grand Prairie, and she didn't want to. So, oh. that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's just a side note. Uh, funny, funny thing is, Adam, right in the intro there, you said that all of mm-hmm. us were born and raised in Calgary, and I'm not. I was going oh, to that's say right. you're not. Yeah, you're no. you're you're the enemy of the North. Correct. <laughs> Winter is coming. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was totally I was born in Edmonton. Edmontonian. Mm. <laughs> I've been in Calgary since '98, so it's it's been a long enough, I think, to to purge all the Edmonton from my blood. You were raised in Calgary. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, we got that cleared up. Also, fun fact: I heard today that. Apparently, it's International Best Friend Day, um, oh, which is kind of interesting. Fitting. Yeah. So, Kyle being my best friend, but Amanda, we ha- your best friend is a mutual friend of ours. She is. Yes, she is. I mean, I feel like all my best friends tend to be mutual friends of <laughs> Kyle's and mine, for sure. I mean, Kyle can group himself in there, sure, too. Yeah. But yeah, 25, 20 years. No, 25 we just did a photo shoot for our 25th friend anniversary. That's really cute. Adam, how we've, why, why have we never done a photo shoot? I don't know, but we should. Maybe we could do like a, like a, like a best friend slash podcast promo photo shoot. Oh, that'd be so fun. It would be really cute. We were I'll wear only, my best outfit and do my hair. We were only asked if we were doing an engagement shoot about three times. So. <laughs> It was really Which good. also would have been adorable after 25 years. So, yeah. I feel like it's been our family, like our family group, like joke for a long time ago that we would get married. <laughs> so it was just <laughs> oh, ironic really? that people were like, oh, are you getting engaged? Or like, no, sorry. <laughs> Wish so. <laughs> right on. 
So Amanda, what got you into podcasting? Oh boy. Literally the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> I had nothing okay. else to do with my time. Um, and just was trying to figure out another way originally like the until next time with no podcast, um, started as my blog and I was just blogging about random things. And I was finding that a lot of my random things were just coming up in the same topic. And so then I was like, well, I should figure out something else to do with all my spare time while I'm not working. And, um, the idea just came to me, why not talk about it and talk about like my experiences in life. And so, yeah, thus came the until next time podcast. Very cool. There's a few podcasts out there that started from blogs. Ours didn't, but uh, lots of lots of them do. I didn't started from a text chain. (laughs) Both of us had a mutual thought months before this text chain, but uh, (laughs) then it came together. That's why you're best friends. That's right. (laughs) Um, So, so, uh, yeah, do you want to get into it, Adam? Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, when, how many months ago did you start that podcast? You're about, like, what, 20 or so episodes in now? Yeah, I'm, I think I just did my 26th or 27th. I started in November, end of November, I believe. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's been okay, and weirdly enough, I haven't run out of things to talk about, so that's <laughs> positive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been a learning curve of even just learning technology because I am not very right. techie savvy, but it made a pretty foolproof for me. <laughs> so that's good. And you actually had a guest on recently as well, too. I listened to that episode. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I have some more guests coming, but like a lot of my guests, like there's a couple that I really want to get on and they just are so busy. Like one of them is one of my best friends and she, work seven days a week. So for us to sit down and actually do an episode is very difficult, but it is in the works. So yeah, there'll be more coming down the line. People sharing their stories. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Which is important because mm-hmm. that's kind of what you were striving for in when you started this up, right? Like not just, yeah, not like, just sharing your story and, and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, I like sharing my story because if it gets one person to not feel alone, but I think it's important for other people to hear everyone else's stories because I'm one person and you may not be able to relate to any of my stories, but I can bring one person on and you can relate to exactly what they're thinking. So, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. totally. Well, Amanda, you're one of the first people that reached out to us and complimented us on what we were doing. Uh, so thanks for that. But, um, I wanted to talk obviously more about what, what you guys are doing or you, you're doing in your podcast and you kind of center around mental health and your personal journey and discover ways to help deal with mental health through research and your own personal experiences. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your story and your struggles with mental health and uh, mm-hmm. um, kind of expand a bit on how that, how those experiences led you to talking about it on a public forum? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I did want to say that your podcast has been great and I am still madly craving Oreo cookies from your one episode. And I have not, I've like restrained myself every time I'm at the grocery store to not just like get a package of cookies, but like still, it. it was the best. No, it's been really great to listen to. And I wanted to thank you guys for having me on. Cause I think, um, in terms of mental health, it's great to 
get everyone's story out there that is willing to talk about it um, in any way possible. So um, a little bit about my story in terms of mental health and mental illness. Um, I didn't get diagnosed with anything for a very, very long time. And I think that's partially because it was never a topic that was talked about. Um, Mental illness was not something that was on everyone's radar per se. And um, just through certain events, um, the main kicker that made me turn to a therapist was um, the loss of my Omi because she was like my person and I didn't understand how to like go on without her even though you know she was in her 80s and that just naturally should be something that I was okay with but I couldn't and then within six months um, I had a really good friend of mine uh, be murdered and it was just a terrible time where I was super depressed um, tie in because we all went to Catholic school, that the Catholic part of me that was like really upset with God. And I was like, I don't believe in God anymore. Like, why would he do this to me? Why would he take away someone who literally did nothing wrong, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it just started that spiral in that my really good friend, who's now a therapist herself, um, she suggested, you know, maybe just go to talk to someone. And that's what got me into talking to a therapist, dealing with grief right away. Um, and then a couple years later, I got re-diagnosed again. Um, and prior to that first diagnosis time, I was definitely, I don't know what the proper word is, but I was not believed by my doctor. Um, I would tell her like, I was really upset. I'm really anxious. There's something wrong. Like, I don't even know if I use the word anxious, but I would just like trying to describe. And I was told off basically being like, Oh, you're fine. And I had to advocate really, really, really hard, um, to even get diagnosed the first time. And then since then, you know, I've gone through, um, people in my family, um, trying to take their own life. I've had people take their own life. Um, I've had trauma happen to me directly and there's just been so many things, but now that I'm more comfortable in my journey of mental health, it has become a lot easier to look for that help. And I just feel I've been through so much stuff for a lack of a better word that it was just, that's my journey. And I'm very wanting to share it because the beginning part sucked not being believed by a, a medical professional. And I didn't then because a medical professional said, no, you're fine. I didn't feel like I should share it with anyone else. So that's kind of how this whole experience came to be what it is now is wanting to share it is because I know how much it sucked to be not believed and not heard and keep it all in. And I don't think that anyone should have to do that. Hmm. When I think I, I think I heard on your podcast, uh, Amanda, that since that therapist that didn't believe you, you've been able to find someone who does. And so kind of, kind of sticking with it and believing in yourself and, and, continuing to, to look for someone that c- could help you and believed you it was probably pretty important. I would give yeah. And I mean, f- I always talk about, I'm very fortunate that one of my best friends is a therapist because she was the one that encouraged me to keep finding another one. You know, she said, no one will be that perfect fit for you. It's just like how you're not going to marry someone if they're not the perfect fit for you, but you're just together. Like you can continue to look for someone that is your person. And I mean, now I have 
a trauma counselor, a grief counselor, an anxiety counselor. I have people just for specific needs. Um, and that I think it's just so important to find where you're comfortable because there is therapists out there that will talk to you about whatever you want. You just have to find that person. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely really important to, to try and find a therapist that fits what you're exactly what you're looking for. Cause my, my wife is a, is a therapist as well. And she's uh, studying to like become like a PhD and, and everything. So, and just even from, from her, like, she's she's had clients where like they either they've said to her or, or she's kind of felt and she won't tell them this but she'll tell me like i don't think this is going to be like a right fit so she'll recommend them to someone else and yeah it's very true that the importance of like i think if you're going to therapy you're not going to just very rarely you're going to find the one that's like perfect for what you need in that moment, like the first time. So it definitely yeah. takes, definitely takes some time to find that person. Yeah. I was talking to someone, I told them it's not a one size fits all solution is basically like my easiest way to explain it. Cause I have a friend who's like, Oh, my therapist has been great, but she can't help me with this. And I'm like, she's not meant to help you with every Avenue. It might just mean that you need someone else in conjunction. Exactly. That's interesting. I've, I've never explored mental health with, different practitioners in that way. Like when I have gone to, I call it a tune up every few years I go for a tune up and I just talk about problems and it's like changing my oil type thing. <laughs> but, uh, um, I've never considered going to multiple therapists at the same time. It's always just been one and, and it's actually been a different one every time because the way I'm, I'm dealing with, like I say, is more of a tune up than it is lasting mm-hmm. therapy. So it's more just someone to bounce thoughts off of when I'm having a tough time. And, and that's worked really well for me too. But I think that, um, it, it does come in different shapes and sizes of this, this, uh, getting help or diff- different packages, which is cool. Yeah. But yeah. Even just the amount of, of different areas that you can kind of like focus your studies and expertise in. Um, it's just like, it's a huge range of, it's kind of like a medical doctor. Like they can specialize in so many different areas of your body, but these therapists can specialize in so many different areas of your mind. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty incredible. It's fascinating. (laughs) If Mm -hmm. I had the ability to go to school again, financially and mentally, I would totally want to go like, just even test it out to like, see what they learn about. Cause I mean, there's so many parts to our mind that it's just Mm -hmm. for lack of better sentence, mind blowing, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting. Like over the last few years, therapy's become well. As people talk about it more, uh, I talk about mental health and stuff. Therapy is definitely more accessible too with services, online services like BetterHelp is a is a cool one. Mm-hmm. And I tried that. Going to uh, bring that up actually. Yeah, not sponsoring this show, but that'd be cool <laughs> if they did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, last time I went for therapy, I did it through BetterHelp because it wasn't in the pandemic, and uh, it was phenomenal. Like I got to try a bunch of therapists in a row before I paid for it, and and then I found the right fit, and then you find the right fit. And then every time you log on after you can choose to go with the same therapist or go to a different one or whatever you want. But, uh, it made it yeah. very, very accessible. And so I was, I was actually talking to a lady out of Florida, which was, that was my therapist. She was this big, uh, big black lady, like soulful. <laughs> she was awesome. She yeah. kept like slapping me. She's like, Kyle, don't think that way. I'm like, okay, that's what I need. <laughs> Love so it. Funny. Yeah. That's super yeah, it's cool. pretty cool that there's, there's, um, like, uh, services out there like that now. 
Because, yeah, I was going to bring up that BetterHelp, too, because, again, no sponsor. But <laughs> it's really it's I think it's really uh, interesting that they kind of have a service like that. And I mean, especially during the pandemic, like it's I'm guessing it's all over over Zoom or some kind of like video call or something like that. Right. And yeah, it's their own platform. It's actually very similar to this. Um, hmm. But it's all done through their website and you just log on. You have a video chat. And it was great. Yeah. And I think things like that have just come to the forefront because of how I think like mental health has been really kind of brought to the forefront as like a more serious kind of condition, yeah. um, which I think is obviously really good because mm-hmm. then, then hopefully you don't have medical doctors like you were visiting Amanda that just assume that nothing's wrong with you, which is just terrible because first of all they don't have the expertise to even know that no (laughs) and I just don't understand why someone would like if someone came to me whether I'm a doctor or not and was like clearly struggling I don't understand how you get to the point of being like yeah well there's nothing wrong with you you can just go on with your life it's just like it's kind of baffling to me that I mean there's still there's still instances that baffle me in terms of um mental health and stuff like just from family experiences even as recently as a few years ago where doctors will turn them away (laughs) like even when they're like I'm super not okay so it's just you know there's I think there's still a long way to go but it's so amazing to see where it is now it's just definitely so much more comforting and hopeful (laughs) I guess totally did you hear of um do you know who Naomi Osaka is Mm -hmm. did you hear about that story so yeah, awesome. so that's a really. Kyle, can you, you tell me is? about the story? No, can you tell yeah. me and our listeners well, I was about tell the story? Anyone? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to tell everyone listening. Um, but she's like, um, since like Serena Williams, she's like the number one female tennis player in the world. Um, and there was uh, the French Open was happening um, like this past week, and yeah, she's like the world number one was like favored to win the whole thing, and she was going through some, through some like anxiety and, and mental health struggles and can't remember exactly what happened behind the scenes, but, um, she was like, they're always like, um, those athletes like have to do some like media time and then face the media. And she was just feeling a lot of anxiety around it and didn't want to face the media and the French Open was like, well, then you, like, you have to do it. I don't, we don't care how you feel kind of thing. And then she ended up withdrawing from the tournament and saying, well, I'm dealing with this and this and this, and they're making me do things that I don't want to. So I'm just going to not play. And good for her. Like she's, she's being celebrated like for her bravery, which is exactly what should be happening. 100%. Yeah. It was, it's really cool cool to see people, um, just be willing to stick up for something like that. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're an athlete that like people look up to, seeing them also stick up for something like that, I think inspires more people to be willing to stick up for. I'm not gonna do this, even if you really, really want me to. I'm not okay sure. right now. So, it's inspiring that a girl like her will do that who's young and you know, it well, especially like w- with professional athletes, like, like they're supposed to be or not supposed to be, but like in the past, especially they've been seen as like 
like inhuman and like nothing phases them and like mm-hmm. they can do anything and like they're in peak physical and mental conditioning and what it really just comes down to like even though some of them are making hundreds of millions of dollars it's like they're people too and they are struggling and they are going through stuff that people like us are going through too and so Mm -hmm. to see someone of her caliber to speak up um and like it's happened too in the past but just it's just definitely happening a little bit more i think which is really good Mm -hmm. yeah and further than i think even just us, us slowly Calgarians talking about it and, and publishing it, I think is really important too. It kind of adds a, a, a kind of takes away that celebrity effect. Like I just consider myself a normal person and not a celebrity. And so it's nice that celebrities are talking about it and giving that kind of thing. But then, you know, we're sitting here talking about it and publishing it too, which I think is very relatable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if, even if this episode reaches one person or encourages one person to, to reach out and talk to someone, which is exactly why I think you started your show, Amanda. Yeah, because it was one hundred. I think I even, people to talk. Yeah, yeah I, I wrote that in my first like description. I was like, if one person mm-hmm. feels better because of a hundred episodes that I post, it was worth it. Yeah, so. totally. Um, I wanted to also just make sure that I mentioned that. I think, or I can, I can speak for Kyle on this one too. I, we both think that you're just like very brave for doing what you're doing, like on the platform that you're doing it. Um, and speaking like so candidly about your, your mental health journey and and encouraging people to come onto your show and do the same. So, um, I just wanted to say that to you before I ask you this, (laughs) um, and with that like podcast platform how has so far like just like even being 20 episodes in how has that impacted you and is it has it been like a sense of like healing and relief in a sense too doing it yeah um well thank you first of all (laughs) um before i forget to thank you i it is a hard thing to do to talk about um all the time I think using my platform, it makes me very emotional sometimes. There's episodes where I've cried in um, because I think mental health is in real time. So I've been very good at talking about things that I'm going through, um, which, you know, can be very difficult. And not that I want people to hear me sobbing, but I want it to be relatable and realistic and not just like whatever, like me just talking for no reason. Um, but I've also found it, you know, I have tried journaling. I've tried, and I still journal every so often. Um, you know, I've tried meditating. I've tried all these things, but getting it out there and talking about it, there's sometimes where I'm sitting doing it and I feel like I'm just so animated because I'm so passionate and I'm getting it out and it just feels like a weight lifted. And it's that sense of healing. It's just for, it just feels a weight lifted And that's why I think for me, selfishly and personally, like I would keep doing it for as long as, you know, one person listens to it. Um, And just because it is a helpful way for me as well. Um, Healing is not linear at all. So that's why, you know, some episodes are super emotional for me. Um, And it just has been a good way for me to keep things 
heal in a healing form in my way. Like you were, we were talking about, um, you know, how Kyle did therapy online, like my, my therapist, I prefer in person and she prefers online right now. And so it's very back and forth. Like my one therapist that I see quite regularly and it's just really hard for me because I don't find that very much as like a healing journey for me. I, I get more anxious about doing therapy online with her. Um, so having this as an extra way to just kind of that, have that healing process working for me has been really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, and when it seems like just in general, like awareness and treatment of mental health has really affected your life. Like, do you think that the podcast was a turning point for you? Or do you think that you kind of switched from suffering to healing further along in the past or like how, how what was that turning point for you? Um, I mean, I'm going to not lie that it's not, again, it's not linear. There are still some days where I feel like the suffering is still there. It's still happening or, you know, things are going to continue to happen in life regardless of if I try to put up a shield. Um, so I think the healing is just becoming more like almost just how I do things. It hasn't become a thing that's way back on the back burner. It's become just an easier thing to implement. Um, you know, there's still suffering that happens, but I think the podcast has made me more aware of things I also need to work on to continue healing and talking about things that I'm working on to heal, but where I kind of maybe just need like a little bit of a change or a little bit of an adjustment to keep going. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to say if there was like a turning point, I would say the other turning point that was pre to this podcast, um, was, as I mentioned, there was some family stuff in my life, um, where someone in my family tried to take their own life. And I think that was a really big turning point. It made my family take a step back and really look at how we address mental health. Um, and I think that was a really huge turning point because up until then it wasn't really addressed. And so I'd been quote unquote suffering in silence and same with other members of my family. But once this was brought to the forefront, it was like, okay, we need to, yes, we can be an open family about everything else, but it also needs to be a safe place. Um, and I, so I think that was a turning point in a lot of my family relationships that it wasn't a need to constantly be suffering in silence. Now I won't lie. There's still some things that we don't talk about or like, you know, you only feel comfortable talking about to one person in your family. Um, but yeah, I think that would also be a turning point before the podcast is just a realization of, you know, what should be talked about and how we talk to each other as well. Mm -hmm. Right. No, that makes sense. One, like along, along those lines, um, a lot of the things in the past kind of have to be dealt with. And a lot of the things in the past do kind of program who you are today. Like I know that from my own past, my own history as well. And, um, you mentioned a few techniques, like obviously different than the podcast being like the journal journaling and, um, uh, therapists and that, and that, that sort of stuff. Have there been any other really effective techniques for you that have kind of helped reprogram or deal with those childhood things or program paradigms or even self-limiting beliefs in, in, in order to set you up to grow? 
Well, <laughs> number one that I think is a stigma being talked about is definitely medication. Um, I used to be really embarrassed that I was on medication, but now I could care less what anyone thinks. It has helped me be able to function day to day. It's also leveled, obviously, the chemicals in my brain to be able to think somewhat clearly. Um, You know, it sucks because I do know people that have a stigma towards it still or are still embarrassed, and I wish we could get all that away, but I I mean, that's another hero for another day. Um, But other than that, you know, I'm a nerd, so I love to read. I use that as, like, my escape from reality. I have 150 Sudoku books in my house and I will do like 20 a day. (laughs) Like it's just something, the biggest technique I was taught was focusing a different part of my brain. And you know, a lot of the techniques my therapists have taught me have been so helpful. Other things like, you know, our self-limiting beliefs, you know, there's one therapist I had and she taught me to say, and I've never been comfortable to do the full exercise, but it was a list of like 15 affirmations her and I came out up with myself together. And I had to say them three times a day out loud. Like you can just think them in your head and you need to say it for a month because it rewired the pathways, the neurons in your brain to make it even better. Yeah. And she said <laughs> to make it more impactful, you should be staring at yourself in the mirror. That's the only part that I can't get to because I have this weird thing with my trauma that I just can't like stare at myself in the mirror, (laughs) but Mm. it, you know, there's certain things they've taught me. Like I can take techniques they've taught me because that was one thing when I went to any counselor, I say, I, I want to talk. I want to do these things, but I also need tools because I don't want to not need this forever, but I want to also feel like I'm moving forward and can do certain things. So, you know, like finding those affirmation techniques, um, Also, I've really found learning the actual science about the brain and why this is happening has been Mm -hmm. super helpful for me because it almost gives a logical reason (laughs) and less like you think you're just in your head. Um, But yeah, I would say those are all kind of techniques around. No, for sure. It's funny. There's been a few parallels here that I just kind of want to step back on. But like when people... Uh, when you say you're going to uh, doctors and, and medical professionals and they weren't believing you. Um, and then also like with the stigma around medication and, and how like it is a, a physiological aspect. It's like if I went to the doctor and my wrist was hanging and like my hand was swinging all over the place, and the doctor's like, I don't believe your wrist is hurt. Right. Like it's like, well, it is. Yeah. And then like, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well this wrist is giving me a lot of pain. Like, can I have some painkillers? And they're like, yeah, no problem. And people talk about painkillers and people talk about all sorts of medications and, and physical ailments with no stigma whatsoever. And the brain is just another organic piece of our body. Like why can it not um, have something that can be treated? Like you can have issues that need to be treated no different than anything else that's physical. Yeah. That's always been one of my biggest frustrations, I guess, when it comes to mental health and mental illness is like, for example, if you take one, take a sick day at work and you have a fever and you're like vomiting or stuffy nose or whatever, it's a no brainer. But if you're like so low and like just feel sluggish and you just need like a mental health day, it can be looked down upon or, you know, just little things. If if you say I'm not well, they're like, what's wrong? But if they can't see it and you can't explain a physical symptom, it's looked at completely different. And I feel exactly how you said, I think someone else told me that like, you know, 
if you go to the doctor to get a cast on, they're not going to say no. <laughs> like it should be, it's the same thing as taking medication or getting diagnosed with a mental illness. It shouldn't be so down looked upon, looked down upon and right. negative. Yeah. It's like, it's seen as a sign of weakness for some reason, which just like, again, like going back to that thing, it's like, if you were a professional sports player and you fell and broke your leg, they wouldn't be like, Oh, that's a weak person. <laughs> like oh. it's just, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's, I think it's slowly becoming more, um, I'm trying to find my words, but like, destigmatized. It's, it's, yeah. Like we're getting there. It's, it's a, it's definitely a long uphill battle, mm-hmm. but, um, I think it, it's, it's becoming a little bit more of a accepted illness. Cause that's really what it is. Like a lot of people don't, realize that like depression can stem from a chemical imbalance in your brain, mm-hmm. which I mean, like, yeah, medication can, can help that and help fix it. And same with therapy, but it's just interest. I just, you know, it's interesting that it's been seen that way for so long. And I'm trying to, I'm wondering what the, what it is about our society today. That's, allowing it to become more of a accepted thing. Yeah. I've, that, w- that wasn't like a question. It was more of a thought. I was just like, <laughs> I'm, I was just kind of like putting that out there too. It's like, I'm just wondering why, why now? Yeah. I, I have a, I have a suspicion that it's, it's to do with the fact that people are a lot more open to talking about a lot of things in today's society and mental health is included in that. And I think mental health actually kind of spearheaded a lot of the conversations today. Um, so where mental health was 10 years ago versus now and where new conversations like the LGBTQ stuff, um, where it'll be in 10 years, um, the acronym changes all the time. So forgive me and my ignorance if I messed it up, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think like that like you two plus, I think. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I think that being open to talk about it and people sharing their experiences is making it more open. And then that's when like professionals start to listen and et cetera. And, and like, by no means are we there yet, but there's a long way to go. And I think that the first step was definitely conversation. Mm-hmm. And so stuff like your podcast, Amanda, it's, it's just great to get it out there. Yeah. And I was just going to add on to that. I think I look at, you know, my grandparents, for example, they're from Germany. They were in a war and everything was so matter of fact to them. We have eight potatoes. That's going to last us this long. Like nothing was a gray area per se. Like they didn't have the means to focus on those little things. It was like, this is what needs to be done. This is how you need to stay safe and survive. It wasn't, how are you feeling today? There was not that time. That's fair. And yeah. I feel like the, and I have this conversation with a lot of people in my life that don't believe in mental health and mental illness. It is definitely partially the product in which you were raised and your environment. And I'm very fortunate. And I know people are very fortunate where I've been around that and immersed in that. And it's been something that can be talked about. Well, there's still people I know that don't believe it's a thing and I can sit there and give them proof. It's a thing, but it's just, 
not there. And then the other thing I was going to add on, and I said it in like my first episode of my podcast, and it's always stuck with me. And it's something that I wish everyone could understand is in this world, we all have a brain. So we all have mental health. We may not all have mental illness, but we all have a brain. So we all have (laughs) to look after it. And that, you know, to me, that's how I try to explain people that don't understand it or don't believe in mental illness. I'm like, that's fine, but you have a brain, you have a mental health, you have to look after. And if you don't, then that's where things start to unravel. Yeah, exactly that. Well, I think we can wrap that up now because that was that just tied a bow on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In all all seriousness, like, yeah, that that exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Um, I wanted to we've we've mentioned a couple times already that like you've had guests on your podcast um, and that you've used that platform not only for yourself, but as a hope of of others. getting in touch with their mental health and, and seeking help and stuff. But I was curious if, um, I was curious that if you've had any listeners that have listened to your show, um, have, if, if, if they've come forward and, um, like gotten, uh, any like inspiration from your show at all. Yeah. Um, well, I've had lots of people reach out to me. I'm very fortunate that I guess I'm accessible in that way. Um, but two instances that really stick out to me is I had someone reach out to me and said they were listening to my podcast and they just listened to it because they knew me from some time ago and they're like, oh, okay, we'll take part in Amanda's adventure. And then they told me that they're listening to it And they realized that they're suffering probably from something because of this pandemic and all this, like these things, but they didn't feel like they could talk about it because they like thought it was weird or like they just didn't know what was going on. And they said they'd never experienced mental illness in their life. They'd never experienced what they were going through. It was just pandemic stress and all these different emotions. And all of a sudden they just were feeling really anxious, but they couldn't put words to it. And they told me that my show help them understand that there was something going on and that it was anxiety, but more than that, that it was normal and it was okay. And that was a big one for me. And the second one that sticks out and it was probably like the craziest message I've ever received in my life was someone messaged me and said, because of my show, they finally had the courage to go to therapy And I felt beyond honored because like I said, I just wanted one person to feel less alone. And for someone to say that my show made them real, like get that courage. One, I was like, how, (laughs) like, I'm just babbling about my mental health, but it also just made me feel, you know, I helped someone and that is all I wanted. And it was just very fulfilling. And Mm -hmm. Above those, I've had many people reach out to me and say that, like, you know, my podcast has gotten them through some of the tough times. I've had teachers reach out to me, weirdly enough, that I've never met in my life say, you know, you just made me feel like what I'm experiencing at school is normal and like situations that I haven't even talked about. And so it's just I've received a lot of feedback, 
maybe not so much questions or anything, but a lot of feedback, a lot of people willing to share their story with me, um, just through messages and emails and yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's why you're doing it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's even part of the reason why we wanted to have you on is just to like share your, share your story. And, and if, if people can find any sort of inspiration from what you're talking about on your show or what we talk about on this episode, mm-hmm. then that's exactly why we're doing this. Yeah, that's right. Well, and it's something that kind of surrounds us all the time, mental uh, health and illness, even if we're aware of it or not. And like, um, I think one of the things that came up in a few recordings of our episodes is that suicide came up a few times, uh, and, and, and mental illness. Um, so we kind of wanted to do this episode as a, uh, a tribute to those that we've lost as well as just to get the message out to those people that they could need the help. So, and that there's, there's systems out there to help us. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so Amanda, uh, none of us are healthcare professionals. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that are, are a little bit like anecdotally based, but, um, like they're, they're not by any means, advice for people or medical advice for people, but just, I want to know a little bit about your experience and and your perspective on things. So, um, so how did you use and engage your support system and how did you figure out who is safe and on your side? And uh, further to that, if you were to pro someone who felt alone and isolated, how would you help them to find a support system in their existing network? Well, to the first part of that question, um, I mean, Kyle can tell me if I'm totally wrong out here, but I'm very lucky to have a huge support system that includes like my family, Kyle's family and a couple other families that, I mean, I've known for, I was trying to do math earlier, like I think 18 years, (laughs) like a really long time, but in my own, I'm going to give away a secret now in my own podcast, I call them my chosen family. Um, and that is my support system, my very big support system, um, I feel that between all our families, I can go to any single one of them at any time, have a normal conversation, have a hard conversation, have a, like, I just need to laugh. And I think how to know that people are on your side. I mean, I don't trust people right away. So for me, it's very lucky that I've known this big giant group of people for more than three quarters of my life. Um, but we've been there and I think how to know that I trust them is if I've been through something really hard and they're still there, then that just shows me a lot. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. when it comes to mental health and mental illness, I've always said to friends or acquaintances, you know, I don't expect you to stand by my side every day. I don't want to put that burden on anyone. And it's not a burden, but I don't want to have that expectation because everyone has their own life too and their own stuff going on. Um, But there is something to be said where you can have your own stuff going on, but you can still stand there. You may not be able to be as involved or anything, but just being there. Um, And so I found that it's very rare, but when you find it with people, um, they're the keepers for sure. Um, And like I said, I'm very... I find myself very fortunate because I, I think it's hard to come across a lot of families that have the chosen family like we do. Um, right. I think it's very rare to find that nowadays that we grew up for so long together and we still see each other. 
outside of this year. Um, yeah. <laughs> but usually, um, yeah. but yeah. And then to further your question, um, approach someone who felt alone or isolated. <sighs> it's a tricky one. I think, cause everyone's different. Um, if in my experience, um, when someone has been alone or isolated, feeling those way that way, I usually play off of how, how they normally react to my personality. Are they wanting my unconditional love? Cause yes, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Is that what they're wanting from me? Do they normally come to me because I tell ridiculous jokes or I can talk about like friends until the cows come home? Like, you know, what are they needing from me in a typical situation and kind of using that to guide the language that I use. Um, you know, I tend to a very taboo sentence that I say is, or tell people not to say to me or is, is what's wrong or what's the problem? Because I find those very negative and hurtful towards me. So I also try to not use them with anyone else because I don't want them to feel like it's their fault. It's more, are you okay? Those types of lighter ways to introduce the conversation is usually how I try and then it's always like, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Do you want me to come over slash not during COVID, but like in a typical world, right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, just navigating. I've, I've found the way that I can navigate natural relationships and just alter what people want from me, typically why we're friends or anything like that, but just being able to use lighter language and not making them feel like it's their fault. Yeah. Right. Okay. No, that's, that's helpful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What, what's the, uh, best way to either become aware of people or, or see people that may be suffering in silence or people that may, you may not be aware are suffering. Like how, how would you, how would you help them? And the reason I bring this up is because of the topic of suicide and stuff. Anyone or a lot of the people that I've experienced, who have taken in their own lives in my life did so very surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so one of the things that I think people don't know is there's a lot of people out there suffering in silence. So how do you recognize them and how how do you help them from your experience? Well, (laughs) I'm trying to think of the best way to answer that. I think to start what I would just say to cover this topic is Mental illness and depression and getting to suicidal thoughts isn't going to look the same as someone who has a physical outside illness. Like you're not going to see like limbs falling off or anything like it's going to, you know, there's not going to be hair loss. There might be, but like it will be nothing apparent, right? You know, you look at, I'm like thinking of celebrities in my head right now, you know, when Robin Williams took his own life, it was like shocking. Because he's like, oh, so happy. He's always in comedy movies, those types of things. And I think that's something that is a stigma towards depression is you think it's just the person that has a frown on their face all the time. Um, When it comes to suicidal suffering, I mean, I've experienced it to the point where someone has taken their own life and I've experienced it where they haven't. And I mean, the person that took their own life it's hard because as an individual that knew them, your immediate thoughts 
in at least in my world has always been, what could I have done? What did I do wrong? What more could I have done for them? And I think it's really hard then on ourselves because we're, we're taking away from the fact that they were suffering and there was something that was really, really hurting them. Um, and it's not a, to me personally, it's not a time to be like, what could I have done and make it about me? Um, because you don't know. (laughs) And that's always the problem with suffering I've found is you don't know unless they're willing to talk about it. And I think that's why to me talking about mental health and mental illness is so important because I didn't know how bad the person in my family was until they were in the hospital and were saved. And I didn't know that. And they're my own family. So Mm -hmm. it's not something. And that's why I think the conversation is just that important. It is a conversation and talking about it and having those open, open conversations could be the difference between life and death. Making someone feel comfortable could be the difference between life and death. And it has nothing to do with making them happy or changing something for them. It's just making them feel comfortable to come to you. And but I'm going to be 100% honest. I was at a time where I was completely suicidal and I thought I reached out to one of my best friends. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But if I didn't do that, I don't know what would have happened. But she's the one person in my life that made it so comfortable that I felt like I could go to her. And I think that's being that person that people could feel comfortable to come to you with absolutely anything. It doesn't just have to be mental health and mental illness, but absolutely anything is why I felt I could go to her why I did and why she's still to this day will check in on me when I'm feeling super low and she'll be like, do you need anything? Can I bring you ice cream? Do you want to watch Mary Kate and Ashley? Like, you know, it just becomes, <laughs> she's aware and it's really hard because I also know what it's like to be on that side where you, you think about it and you're not thinking about letting everyone in. You're thinking about how you're a burden, but once you let someone in, they're going to help you figure out that you're not type right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that was really good insight, I think. And I think the, mm-hmm. the, the big message in terms of helping, helping people that are suffering in silence, like you say, is being the person that can be approachable, being the person that's non-judgmental, being the person that's comfortable and, uh, um, just being around for the people around us. Is that, mm-hmm. that kind of accurate? Yeah, I think, yeah. Cause it's, it's not a, again, a one size fits all solution. You know, I think what we all need is someone to feel comfortable to talk to and someone to be honest to, because there's that stigma again around suicide. And I've experienced that in my own life where people have said it's a cop out. It's a, you know, you're selfish, all these things. And that's, that's not what it should be because that's making those people who have that feeling of the world waiting on them and feeling like they're a burden. That's what's making them not want to talk. What's making them not feel like they can be upfront about it or open about what they're feeling. And so that's why I just think being that person that isn't judgmental and, you know, you could tell me anything and I literally wouldn't care. I'd be like, okay, like I've never judged a person in my life and I'm not about to start now at 30 years old. So it's just figuring out how you can be that person for those people because everyone wants help in a different way. I guess you can't just put a bandaid on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think that that, 
I think that this is actually a good time for a break and a, a little breather. So if everyone wants to uh, and, and enjoy themselves and reflect on it and listen to this really cool ad, and then we'll all be back shortly. The Adam and Kyle podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Song Productions. Phoenix Song Productions is an AV system provider and integrator specializing in live sound production and recording. Phoenix Song Productions also offers technical consultations, permanent installations, and rentals. Phoenix Song's newest offerings include live streaming consultations, on-site audio and video recording, as well as technical and creative education. Check our website at www.phoenixsongproductions.com for the next education or entertainment event. Follow us on social media. Check the show notes below for links to our website and all of our social pages. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back. Um, We are sitting here with Amanda Lambie. Um, So in the previous... In the previous, before the ad, we were talking a little bit about suicide and, and mental health and, and bringing awareness and stuff to that. Um, I wanted to ask you, Amanda and Kyle, um, about Bell Let's Talk Day. Because um, uh, I think we both have some fairly strong opinions on it. <laughs> um, I know I, I'm, I've been trying to figure out when I was writing this question down a little bit more about where I stand on it. Um, cause it does have this, it does have this kind of stigma behind it that like Bell's using it as a, as a publicity stunt or as a promotion for like Bell, not necessarily for mental health. Um, and so I was curious as to both of you, as to kind of what your thoughts are around this Bell Let's Talk Day and if there's any sort of like importance or significance to it or is it all a sham or what, what, do, you, what do you kind of, what's your opinions surrounding this? Okay, I'll go first, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. I believe that it is both. So this is why it's, I have strong opinions about it, but I have strong opinions both ways. Um, I believe in the very beginning when Bell Let's Talk started, it was a very positive thing. It took how we were talking about, you know, athletes and stuff like that. It just made you feel like you were a little more normal. You weren't alone that, oh, this big star also feels the same way I do. Kind of normalized it a little bit. Um, and just having those conversations, you know, that hashtag in the beginning, when you would click on it, you'd see all these people's stories from around the world. You'd see mm-hmm. other celebrities from the States, people that, you know, you'd be like trying to get them to say the hashtag, um, you know, all these stories were being shared. And I think that is very important. Um, do I agree with it being bell let's talk day no (laughs) i think it's right you can donate money and we should donate money to mental health initiatives i mean i've looked at their annual report to because i personally want to make sure if i'm sharing that hashtag that the money's going where it should be and as far as i can tell from their annual report it is so that makes me happy um that's good but it obviously is it has their name in the front of it so it's not let's talk day or mental health let's right. talk day. It's still a company. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I don't agree with how it's orchestrated in terms of promoting a company. Um, 
And I know this year, I believe, and I mean, all these facts could be a little bit wrong, but like they laid off a bunch of people right after it, where after they like, Mm. like Bell, sorry. I heard about that. Yeah, Yeah. Bell laid off a bunch of people after they just like got millions from Bell at Stock Day. So it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, I wish it wasn't associated with a certain company because the initiative behind it, I feel could be very positive. You know, I think the first time I publicly talked about my depression was using that hashtag. So like Hmm. it has possibilities to bring people to feel comfortable and talk about their story. And it may only be once, but that's once that's really important. But yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the, the, like the fact that it's hashtag bell let's talk because that was kind of my problem with it too is because mm-hmm. I think I think they are and, and when I say they I mean like the company and whoever was behind this idea I think it was a little bit two-faced in that mm-hmm. in that sense of like I'm sure that they realized the importance of of like let's talk and again bringing that mental health awareness to the world but then again they're like well you have to hashtag bell otherwise it's useless kind of thing that kind of made me feel like mm-hmm. it's clearly i think it's a little bit of a publicity stunt and every day on that day or every year on that day they get like tons of promotion and you see like ads on tv and everything like that like i'm sure it helps out their company Oh, just as much. No question. No yeah. question that it helps them out, which is why like I, it shouldn't be just one company name like in it. No, to, and it also to, shouldn't be Sorry. Can I, I, uh, I let me just say this. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um it also shouldn't just be one day. No. Oh, <laughs> which I also think is the problem with it. <laughs> is it's yeah. like cuz one thing that's that's interesting and um because um June is, is pride month. Mm -hmm. And so what I also think is interesting that kind of ties into this thought is that like, um, I was seeing things go around. Um, I won't, I won't say which celebrity on their Instagram was posting about it, but basically she was calling out all these different companies because uh, in June for pride month, you see all these companies like change their logo to the pride flag. And it's like, sure that like, is is good i i guess like you're showing your support for that community which is great but like those companies and the ones that she called out specifically like don't ever do anything the other 11 months of the year that show that they support that community and so it makes me wonder with like the let's talk day one why is it only a day? Like it, it's, it's something that's important enough. That's like, we shouldn't just be talking about it in this public forum for just a day. And then it's forgotten about. So I was just kind of, that's just kind of my thought about behind it too. It's just like, again, I, I think the intention behind it is good, but it could also be a lot better. Yeah, I, th- I think that it has had a lot of positivity come from it, but like you say, it could be better. And I think, Amanda, to your point, and, and I think Adam, you touched on it as well, but like this this hashtag could just be hashtag let's talk and let's donate the hashtag let's talk. And then if Bell started it, they could be 
Bell supports hashtag let's talk. And then that also means right. that Telus supports hashtag let's talk. And you could get the promotion from all these big corporations on the same hashtag. I feel like it'd go a lot further. Totally. Kyle, you were saying before, during our little break, you had strong opinions. So did you, is there anything else you wanted to add to it? No, you, you guys touched on it all for me. That, that was exactly it. I don't think it should be Bell Let's Talk. I, I agree with the movement. Don't agree with the, uh, the publicity and promotional behind it. The way that it's implemented. Like I say, it could be Bell Supports, hashtag Let's Talk. Right. So Bell CEO, if you're listening, <laughs> do better. <laughs> um, so Amanda, you when we were kind of discussing the kind of uh, t- content for this podcast, you mentioned to us that you were interested in becoming a personal trainer and like someone specifically that deals with people with Parkinson's disease, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is really interesting. Um, So I wanted to know what it was that that drew you to working with people with that disease in particular. Um, And from your like research and your understanding, what is it about movement and physical activity that can be so important to our brains and our mental health? Yeah. Um, So in regards to personal training with Parkinson's in particular. Um, my Omi had Parkinson's and that's what she passed away from and learning through her whole time of having it about the importance of movement just for like that disease, um, was really interesting. And the things we found out as a like family unit during that, you know, they say that Parkinson's isn't genetic, but all three of my Omi's siblings all had it and passed away from it. Um, and just little things. So I think there's more we can be doing in terms of exercise in that disease for families that also have had people have it just in case it is genetic. Cause it, my family fully believes it is. Um, and I just think it's important because, you know, I watched people go through Parkinson's and it is really tough emotionally, mentally, physically. It is just really hard. You lose your balance is like the first thing to go. So obviously exercise is super important for that. Um, and yeah, like when I took my personal training degree, I was really pumped to like, you know, become a bikini model. I'm not really sure if that's really what was my full round like goal with it, but it just turned into like, you know, we need to be healthy and health just isn't what we look like. It's also how we feel and move and all of that stuff. And just watching people go through different things is why I'm kind of in the middle of creating a program for um, Parkinson's Alberta to send to them to see if I can start working with them, because I just think it's super important. But I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of movement and exercise, like I said, I took my personal training degree. It was like while I was on a crazy fitness journey. And I'm sure when I first started taking it, my goals were completely different. Um, but I've found that, you know, maybe if I wasn't working on towards something with Parkinson's, I'd probably work towards creating an exercise program for trauma survivors, which sounds a little weird. Um, but what I found when I was working with through my trauma is when I'd exercise, like lifting heavy stuff made me super emotional, but it just felt 
like I was pushing through something and like, totally. you know, I maybe only work yeah. out for 10 <laughs> minutes, but I would just feel such a relief and it would feel so emotional. Like I would cry all the time. It was probably embarrassing, but like, it was so good for me. And, you know, I go for a walk every single day, try to be outside because I think when I go outside, like I take my son for an hour and a half walk and it's just calming. I can think, but I'm not stuck in my four walls, like getting anxious about thinking. And I just think if we have the ability to move our body and it creates those happier chemicals in our brain, we have this ability to help our brain, whether it's just going for a walk for 15, 20 minutes a day. Like we should also be helping ourselves. Have you read the book, uh, the brain that changes itself? No, but I'm going to write that down right now. Yeah. It's a book about neuroplasticity and, um, it's phenomenal. They go through a lot of the scientifics behind neuroplasticity and then they do some case studies. And one of the case studies is actually about a Parkinson's patient. And he, um, he, for all intents and purposes, cured his Parkinson's through movement and activity. And when I say that he extended his life significantly, but like it got to the point where he couldn't get out of bed in the morning and he worked himself up to the point where he could go for 10 kilometer walks and 15 kilometer walks. Well, I will be reading that Holy. book. <laughs> yeah. So that that's a good one. Uh, it'll definitely impact, I think, mm-hmm. h- how you approach the, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, the Parkinson's Association? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thank you. Really cool. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> what, um, I've got a question for you as we kind of begin to do our, our closings here, but, um, is there anything that you would go back and tell yourself 10 years ago to help you get to where you are today faster or more effectively? Tough question. I know. And I wasn't in the script even. <laughs> I know. So I couldn't be prepared. <laughs> oh. Kyle likes the, what would you tell yourself back then question? <laughs> I do like that question a lot. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's makes you self reflect, which I think it is does. important. So. Honestly, if I could tell myself something 10 years ago that would get me here faster is A combination of it's okay to share your story and it's okay if people don't believe in your story. Nice. I, I think that creates a lot of pullback from myself is when I didn't, I felt alone. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that was a great answer and a great kind of succinct way to summarize a lot of what we talked about today, actually. Um, is there anything that you wanted to ask us about mental health? I sure do. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> Put us on the spot. I, <laughs> if, if I have people ver- listening could see your face right now. You lit up for as soon as he asked that. Yeah. <laughs> because I your just video's did- frozen on my screen. I couldn't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If I could reenact it in real life time. Um, it's only because I just did an episode on this and I'm very curious about figuring some things out. Do you both feel obviously separate that being of the male gender, it impacted how you feel and talk about mental health and how you talk about 
or like explain mental health. Cause like, I know a lot of people that are like, I'm a guy, so I can't be sad. I need to be strong. So yeah, I'm just curious because I'm not, I'm not of that. <laughs> <laughs> I am not of that. Um, that was a great way to put that. Uh, I'll go first, Kyle, if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the short, short answer is yes, for sure. There's been, there's been, um, I've definitely, uh, grown a lot since like, like being a teenage boy, of course. Um, and, and really what's, what's helped a lot is, is being married to someone that is in that field studying like therapy and the importance behind it and the importance of talking and, and like sharing your story and sharing your feelings and stuff like that. Um, when I was younger, I, I don't know if I necessarily saw it as, as like a sign of, of weakness. I've never been like a, like a real, like man's man. Like I have to be strong. I have to look a certain way kind of thing. Um, I think in, in the context of certain relationships, I have no problem sharing those things. Um, I've always been someone who has like a really close knit group of friends and like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like, I have a lot of friends, but like, I have like a lot of like friends, acquaintances, but like really close friends that you can share that stuff with. Um, I'm definitely limited in that sense. Um, so growing up and even now, like, well, someone like Kyle, I've, I've never really had a problem sharing those like emotions and stuff with. Um, but even outside of that, if it's, if it's outside of like a, a close friend group or outside of therapy, which I've, I've actually never been to therapy, but I'm, I'm very interested in in going, even though I have a free therapist that I live with. <laughs> um, Against the board of ethics. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say that for me, I definitely have learned the, the value in, in speaking about like your emotions and letting your emotions or not hiding them and, and stuff like that. But I, I would still say for me outside of my, my family or my really close knit friends group that I, I'm definitely less likely to share stuff like that. But this podcast honestly has helped with that too. <laughs> it has. Cool. I've shared more on this like, podcast to the world than I've shared with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. It's been funny. So I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Goodish? Yeah, goodish, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and just to like totally add on to your therapy thing, like you wanting to go, um, mm-hmm. I fully believe everyone should go to therapy even if you don't think you have an issue issue quote unquote but like just to talk to someone that doesn't know you and you could literally talk about anything i think it is so great for people like it doesn't even have to be like totally counseling i agree you're like 
I think the, I think a, a big thing that it, it's kind of silly, and I think the I think a, a something that really hangs a lot of people up is just how expensive it is. Yes, it's like true. to find a really good, well trained therapist, you're looking at like one hundred and fifty dollars an hour and yeah, up. True. And so, um, yeah. not that that not that I think that that's a, a proper excuse, but it's definitely a. It's concern a, I know for some people it's a because it is disconnect not. in our society that it costs so much yeah. to get help. But yeah. Yeah. Along the same lines of like being able to go to the doctor in Canada is free. Why can't I go to a therapist for free for an island right the same way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, it should be the exact same thing. Yeah. And not be to in the hospital there with the doctors. Totally. And uh, not to kind of harp on on BetterHelp either, but uh, they're about the three hundred dollar a month uh, price point, which is four sessions. And so, if you're if you do go for the four sessions in that month, it's about eighty bucks a session, and you can, like, say, talk to people from across the world. So, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. So it's it's definitely something that creates some accessibility to that service as well. Mm-hmm. There are also people out there. Just as a quick little thing, if people are worried about cost. If they're if like with my wife going through schooling and what she went through, there are like um, like university students that are training in counseling that offer very cheap rates. Oh yes, and I know a lot of therapists like that do the sliding scale or um, like there is government funded like the Calgary Counseling Center. They have so many that you know they can fit any price range or government-funded ones for certain things, so. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Uh, so do you want me to, you want me to ask you a question now? I sure do. I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, again, the short answer is definitely yes, 100% yes. Um, I remember, um, sorry, it was yes, being a man and growing up as, as a male, it's been tough to be okay with sharing my emotions, being tough, uh, uh, being able to find support systems and find people to open up to and that you trust to open up to. And so like, I remember, uh, in elementary school crying one day and then being get made fun of for crying. And, and then after that, I don't ever remember crying in front of people that I'm not close to before. Right. And, um, even growing up in my family, like we were encouraged to share emotions and to talk things out. However, um, I never, never saw my dad cry. And as a role model, it's kind of trying to grow up to be like my dad. I just, it kind of creates a paradigm without being said that you shouldn't cry type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, like Adam said, finding close friends that you can open up to. I'm, I'm typically, this is something I'm trying to grow out of, but I'm typically a very closed off person when it comes to very deep emotions and I'll use humor to either deflect or I'll, I'll change the subject. And, and, and I've always been like that. And it's something I'm trying to grow out of, but generally the way I've approached that is I've had like one or maybe two people that I can talk to on a regular basis about deep emotions. And I think that again, that's kind of just protective walls as a male and not wanting to appear weak or appear like not this stoic male that doesn't experience anything even though we all do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's, de- it's definitely been tough and it's something I'm trying to grow out of. And, and like Adam said, this podcast has been phenomenal for it. And then I've put lots of work into it over the last 
several years also in trying to be more open because I was mentioned on the last episode that there was a while back, I was feeling pretty blocked up and I've tried a whole bunch of things to try and become unblocked. And so one of them is opening up to friends and sharing experiences and sharing deeper stuff and not having surface level relationships, but having deeper relationships. That answers it perfectly. Great. Anything else? From you, Amanda? <laughs> I mean, I could ask questions till the days come home. Um, the days. The days, I know. <laughs> yeah. it's well, I mean, if you if you want, we can we can even come onto your show if you. I have was a, totally thinking that I wanted dive, to dive dive more into this. Yeah, I definitely I was thinking that. So, like, I'd love to have you guys because I think it's just like I said, I don't understand it, and to more of what caused it. Like in my life until January, I'd seen my dad cry twice. So like, it's just something I've never, and because I only have a sister, I don't understand it. So I'm like, I would love to have you guys on and talk more about it. So yeah, let's do that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, go do, ahead, you, do, do you want to ask or do you want me to ask? You, you can go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda, this <laughs> is the, the most important question in the episode. How do you eat your Oreos? <laughs> <laughs> Well, wow. go back to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> no, and now I'm going to want Oreos again. Um, oh, the last time I ate an Oreo. Okay, well, it also depends what kind of Oreo. But the last time I ate a double stuffed, I like took off the, the top right and then like broke the top in half and like scraped the icing off. Oh, and, like, that's a it. new one. That's a good one. <laughs> Okay. That's what I'm here I like for. that. Kind of like a, like a Dunkaroos. Kind of, yeah. Like <laughs> you get some of the cookie and then, yeah. Or if it's just like a regular Oreo, I just like open it and take all the icing off. <laughs> just okay. eat the icing. I, get, I think maybe what we need to start asking people is, is what kind of Oreos. Because now if you go to the grocery store, there's like a hundred different. But I like was just going to say that. I, I went to my brother's place the other day and he had cinnamon bun Oreos. They have cream cheese icing oh. and cinnamon cookies and they're amazing. I'm also writing that down. <laughs> here's a book recommendation yeah, and, then, and here's an Oreo recommendation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, we have to say, we have to say not a sponsor because it is a company we're shutting out. But I mean, fair enough. <laughs> I'm going to start reaching out to them at this point. Uh, they should and send you and your guests boxes of Oreos. Brilliant. Because yeah, there's like there's like mint chocolate ones, there's peanut butter ones. I saw like Rocky Road ones where it was like, think about this for a second. It was like like double stuff. So like, but it was like two separate icings and one was chocolate and one was marshmallow. And then like Oh my god. I'm going to the yeah, store after this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like don't forget your milk. <laughs> and then they have those like golden Oreos that are like the like the vanilla cookie, mm-hmm. but that's just a sham. I don't. They should just take those off. see my yeah. my dad got us one time those really thin ones, and I got so mad at that. I'm like, this isn't a cookie. This is like there's like no icing, and the cookies are like so thin, not worth it. What's the point? Exactly. Um, <laughs> Amanda, we also have to ask uh, our guests at uh, near the end of each episode. And hopefully Kyle writes these down because I don't. Um, is there um, like an artist, a song or albums, um, anything that you're listening to right now that 
you think we should check out and put onto our Here's What's Spinning episode? Well, I feel... <sighs> I listen to a lot of the same things. Music, music can be therapy. It is. And I honestly took music in my first degree because it's like so therapeutic. Um, mm-hmm. There's a book called Your Brain on Music, which is very good to explain that as well. Another thing. This is your brain on music. Yeah. Um, I think Kyle, you told me about that book. I want to read that. I think your mom told me about that book originally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Full circle. (laughs) Um, well, my go-to artist, well, it's going to be artist, no matter how I'm feeling regardless, because there's always a song that either makes me feel good or lifts me up is the Foo Fighters. Like that's literally always always my jam no pun intended um dave Grohl. <laughs> we will we will always welcome dave Grohl talk onto this podcast i do have his guitar tattooed on my arm oh my god he is yeah. he's 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 my hall pass <laughs> nice. same <laughs> <laughs> yeah so no i have like this deep love for him and yeah there i always have the foo fighters going in this house constantly it is my therapeutic music because i can uh, either get angry what song oh boy or songs there's so what's like your go-to like here we'll we'll ask this if you're feeling like you're feeling like sad and you want to put on a foo song or if you're feeling like angry and you want to put on a foo song sad and i put on a foo song is acoustic everlong always great great you covered that song at one time, didn't you? Sure Amanda? did. You recorded it. Yeah. Sure yeah, did. that's right. Huh. And Matt, well, any other emotion, I put on walk. Because it just like has like oh, that really good song. like beat to it that you're just it gets all the <laughs> anger out or just makes you like want to dance. But Kyle, I think I think I'm sensing like with our with our other episodes that we're doing, like the here's what's spinning, we're kind of like we focused on music, but we're we're kind of wanting to expand it into like doing album reviews and and artist reviews. We might need to have like a uh, like a Foo Fighters uh, centered top five like albums kind of. That'd be cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. Thing, but but as as Amanda is the guest, of course. Yeah. That's where I was going with this. <laughs> I, not, not just for the two of us. You're not invited, Amanda. That's okay. No, because I, I think Amanda might be a bigger fan than you, Adam. I have deep love. <laughs> like I've seen them. We could have a Dave. We could have a Dave Grohl off. Maybe Kyle could. Uh, Kyle could research a bunch of trivia questions <laughs> and then he could ask us. That would be awesome. Dave Grohl. The options are endless. Then obviously I feel like you have to reach out to him and try and get him involved. My, my mom keeps joking around when, when I've told her that we're having guests, like we want to have guests on the show and keep yeah. building up guests. I've been reaching out to a few higher status guests. Um, and there's maybe a couple that are have agreed to come on. Nice. I'll just spoil that. But <laughs> my mom keeps joking. She's like, when are you going to have Dave Grohl on the podcast? I'm like, <laughs> we're not, not quite there yet. When we have, maybe if we have millions of subscribers, but like, like I was looking up, uh, Joe Rogan hasn't even had Dave Grohl on yet. So I mean like. So there's goals. Goals. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. Podcast goals. <laughs> Poco goals. Um, 
Okay, so, uh, well, sorry, do you have any other uh, music, Amanda, besides the Foo Fighters that you wanted to mention? Well, that's a really weird question right now because uh, my son is very attached to Sesame Street, so unless you want me to... Some Big Berg and Oscar the Grouch cover what song? (laughs) Well, you know, the Letter of the Day song plays here every day, 15 (laughs) times a day. Tell you what letter it is all day. Yeah, I don't. What letter is it today? Um, we've watched S, F, and G. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Okay. Yeah, I don't think okay. I. Other than that, I really haven't. I don't listen to much. I mean, we'll turn on like dance music and like get like Ed Sheeran going every so often, but because Sawyer okay. loves to dance. Nice. Up a storm for being one and a half. <laughs> He's got okay, moves. Perfect. He's coming for you, Kyle. <laughs> oh, I, I'll have a dance off with him. Mind you, by the time he can even challenge me, I'll be old and decrepit. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Amanda, to kind of again begin to to wrap up a bit here. So, we use our platform to, or we wanted to use our platform to try and suggest a nonprofit organization that anyone can reach out to for help and support. So what are some charities around mental health and mental illness that you that are out there that we can shout out or that you support or uh, have done some research into and, and would put your stamp of approval on? Well, um, here in Calgary, the Distress Center is great. Um, I've personally reached out to them when I've been in times of struggle. They're awesome, too, because they have like a chat. So if you don't feel comfortable talking on the phone, but you're feeling like suicidal and stuff, you can just like chat with them and they'll talk you through everything. They're really, really awesome for that. And they have a 24 hour, like on our phone and 24 hour chat. Um, yeah, the Calgary counseling services are great. Um, obviously Canadian mental health association, they're really working to bring a lot of awareness to mental health and keep trying to get the programs growing here in Canada. So that's really nice. Um, one of my love of charities in terms of mental health is CASA here in Calgary. So Calgary Communities Against Sexual Abuse and Assault. And they are wonderful, wonderful human beings there. They, um, it's a really sad time too, because their wait list to see a counselor there is a year and a half. Um, so if someone were to wow. get assaulted or abused, it is a very long wait, but that is just how much mm. it is going on. Um, so those therapists there and the people at that organization, again, they're not for profit, but um, I just love everything they do. They work really hard to make sexual assault and sexual abuse, um, you know, also talking about men and women, like not making it just one gender orientated. They also do you know, with pride month, they talk about that LBGTQ plus and all of those things. So they're, they do an amazing job, but they're an organization that I usually love to shout out because they just have such a long wait list and they're working so hard to reach every single person that experiences something. And I mean, they're just in Calgary and that right. wait list is that long and yeah, it happens all the well, time. So yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. We'll include those in our yeah. show notes for this episode. Um, and then lastly, um, if you wanted to remind everyone where you can find your, your podcast, um, I'm not sure how, how often you're updating it. Yeah. And then 
we just wanted to know and let everyone know what's what's next for the Until Next Time podcast. What do you have going on? Um, well, so it's available on any podcast streaming site, Amazon Music, um, Spotify, Apple, and then there's like all the other the Pandora, the Google ones. Podcasts, literally everything. Um, and I tend to put out an episode every Tuesday because um, one of my friends said it sounded really cool to say until next time Tuesdays. Um, but yeah, I just today I did um, released an episode about fear and kind of how that affects our ment- my mental health um, and much more things coming on. Like I'm going to do a probably a very lengthy episode on forgiveness because that's a tough one and mm. just more people coming on to share their stories. Again, I would love to have you guys on because I would love a male perspective of people that I also know because I just don't want to talk to like a random male, but also then people that feel comfortable. Mm. Um, right. And yeah, just so many more things. Obviously, the mental health and mental illness and is forever changing. And I think my big thing is it never is done. It's never linear. There's always going to be things happening. So yeah, going to keep going. Great. Awesome. So uh, just a reminder to everyone again, like we're not mental health professionals. We're just speaking on our own experiences. So if you're struggling, reaching out to family, friends, or professionals is definitely recommended. You definitely don't have to suffer alone or in silence. And there's lots of um, uh, charities and organizations that exist. Uh, We talked about a lot in Canada and in Calgary. Um, However, I'm sure there's organizations that exist all across the country and across the world. Um, So, yeah, so we've got the... The Distress Center, the Calgary Counseling Center, the Canadian Mental Health Association, and CASA that we mentioned today. So definitely check those out and support them um, if you're able. And we'll have links in the show notes below for those charities and for Amanda's podcast. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, there anything so else that anybody you. wants to add? No, just thanks right. for having me. Great. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. That was really like a really insightful conversation. And we're here for you if you if you need us and want to want to talk more about anything, whether it's in a podcast platform or not. Um, maybe more so, Kyle, because he's like there in the city. <laughs> I <laughs> tend not, to see but, him. <laughs> yeah, but still. So yeah, thank you. thank you, thank you for coming on and sharing a bit of your story with with us and with everyone today. It was yeah, it was really good conversation. We appreciate mm-hmm. you taking the time to come on. Um, And if anyone out there listening has any questions, concerns, or thoughts um, that you'd like to share with us or even questions for for Amanda, you can can reach out to her or you can reach out to us uh, at Adam and Kyle Podcast. Just Adam Kyle Podcast. Sorry, Adam. Sorry, Adam Kyle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Adam Kyle Podcast. No and. Um, And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and stuff as well. And please be sure to drop a like, a comment, or a rating for our show. It really helps us out. And then stay tuned next week for another edition of Here's What's Spinning. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Bye. Bye, everyone. All right, that's a wrap. Hello, everyone. It's Kyle here. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Please take a second to follow us on all of our social media. Links to our pages and any other material we talked about today are in the show notes below. 
Check back in next month for some additional conversation, laughs, and new music. And we wanted to give a big thank you to Adam's sister, Amanda Rishog, for designing our podcast cover image. She's a beautifully talented artist that has a tattoo shop here in Calgary called Living Prayer Tattoo. She specializes in fine line work, sacred geometry, and botanicals. Follow her online handle at Living Prayer Tattoo on Facebook and on Instagram, where you can find all of her work and booking information. And lastly, thanks again to Phoenix Song Productions for the continued technical and financial support which helped make this podcast possible. We'll see you next time.